In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. The name of the little talk uh, for today is Ways and Means. But the real subject of the talk is ways, as in way, as in a way. Now, today is partly about going away, and not just about me going away from the text, as you may already suspect, <laughs> nor just me referring to the fact, which is on many minds, that a significant portion of our congregation is on the way today, underway in their journey to somewhere else. We sent about 15 seniors on their way at the first service. There may be a few more to send off in this service. And we wish them well, a group of sisters and brothers with whom we have shared the way of being people of the way. And their influence on this community has been significant, even greater than their numeric number. That makes it all the more difficult for me to send people away. It's part of my job, and I have difficulty saying goodbye to those I feel I have only beginning to know in any meaningful way. But that's the way it is with a God who says, nothing is your own, and whatever you're given is mine, and whatever you are given is yours to give back to me. And that's how the divine exchange works. We receive with open hands, and we surrender. We give back everything we have in order to get anything more in trust. And God tests us in that trust as he works with us. And we'll see how that works. Back, however, to our word, way, W-A-Y. Looking at the Oxford English Dictionary, two useful definitions. One, a way is a method, style, or a manner of doing something. Or two, a way is a road, a track, a path, or a street from traveling along, which is a way of getting somewhere. A way of doing something, a way of getting somewhere. What this means is that we are talking about the how when we talk about the way, not the what. The means, not the ends. The pathway, but not the destination. The process of getting somewhere, anywhere, rather than the there that is there, if there is a there there at the end. Way, as in way away from here, as in my ways are not your ways, saith the Lord. As in, as we make our way to this community every Sunday, we leave hoping to be changed in every way. Point made. Let's look at the texts. In all three of today's readings, we discover a persistent theme. People of the way, on the road, reaching their destination, but never getting there by going quite the way they had intended when they set out. And in the process, trying to get away from God, and never quite succeeding with that either, thanks be to God. Take Paul, Saul, when we meet him on the way to Damascus, hoping to root out and uproot Christians. And he gets to Damascus and finds his way to the Christians. But he doesn't root them out or uproot them. He gets himself rooted among them. 
and finds himself on a whole new project, a whole new journey, a whole new way of doing things God's way. Not what he had hoped better than that. Let's look at him. Winded as he drops from the proverbial horse, not in scripture, but in every image I've seen, Paul inhales the spirit when he gets his breath. No longer exhaling threats and murder, his anger has changed to shock, awe, speechlessness, and even sadness as he begins to process what he's been through. That in one single moment, he now knows that Jesus, that Jesus is who Jesus said Jesus was all along. The way, the truth, and the life. And when he opened his eyes, he couldn't see anything. He'd lost his sight, meaning he's going to have to find his way by faith. So they led him by the hand and took him to Damascus. He went for three days, being unable to see, and he neither ate nor drank. A wilderness experience, and this is a broken man. Once mighty and powerful, he's now like a child. He doesn't know who he is or where he's going but he's ready to surrender to the word and the mission that he will get. Not his mission anymore. Who are you, Lord, he asked. I am Jesus, Jesus said, and you are persecuting me, persecuting my church. You are persecuting me. But get up and go into the city. Finish your journey, but it will be told to you what you have to do. Put your agenda on hold permanently. You're going with God now, and God doesn't work with agendas or five-year plans. He works one step at a time. In a few phrases, Saul, Paul, gets a new name and a new identity. He gets where he was going, but everything else he had in mind simply dissolves and is replaced by something from the outside. Everything human is washed away, his anger, his fear, which is his strong point, and everything divine takes his place. Remorse, sadness, with which God can do a great deal. He can do nothing with anger or fear. Give him sadness, he can change the world and an ever-awakening joy breathed into him by someone else, by the one who now takes and claims him and lives in him and lives through him. We'll hear more from Paul. We're going to go to John the Divine, John the Seer, in this passage from the Revelation which is given in his name. Verses 5, 5, and 6, we didn't hear. John has been looking for a lion, a lion. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. He, this noble, ferocious king of beasts, will be given access to the secrets of the universe, the symbol of all earthly power. So John is led to believe that's his expectation. He finds instead a lamb standing in the place it had been slaughtered. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. It's the slain one who now receives the power and the glory. How does this work? 
As with Saul, Paul, strength must give way to weakness. Expectations of power and prowess to brokenness and peace. The peace of God about which we have sung, and it is no peace. The whole created order, heaven and earth, bowing in adoration of the victim turned victor. The only blood shed being his own. This is the heart of the gospel right here. This is the God we worship. The God we see on the shore of the Sea of Tiberias in another showing, another revelation, showing mercy and kindness just as Yahweh longs to do in the old covenant to his wayward flock, if they would but let him. Jesus here on the shore showing his shell-shocked disciples broken by their own failure of nerve, broken by their lack of trust that the gospel is about forgiveness. This is the third time of his appearing, if you like, too. To the disciples on the path to Emmaus, to the upper room and now here. And Peter reiterates the threefold denial which he has given and can't quite get out of his system today. We lose this in translation, unfortunately. Greek has many words for love. English, which has more words than any other language, has one word for love. Go figure, we're in trouble right away. <laughs> Peter reiterates his threefold denial. Jesus is answering him. In a gentle mode, he asks him twice if he loves him, the Greek word agape being one word for love. Do you love me, he says. And Peter always replies that he is fond of him, which doesn't mean love in that sense. It means a kind of fondness. Brotherly love, we might use it, but a kind of solidarity. Jesus, hearing him, respond with his offer of love, with his confession of fondness. I really like you, Lord. I really do. Do you love me? Really like you. Says to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonas, are you fond of me? Not in the translation. We'll get to translations on an ongoing basis. Are you fond of me? And then Peter hears him shift. And this is critical. And it says, Peter frets. He becomes anxious. Peter fretted that he said to him the third time that Jesus had said to him, are you fond of me? He's saying, wait, don't you love me anymore? And he said to him, oh Lord, you know all things. You know that I am fond of you. Jesus gives in. He doesn't give up. But he meets Peter where Peter is ready to be met. The word is condescension. Jesus comes down to where Peter is ready to receive him. And then he gives him this word of prophecy. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. He's looking not just to Peter's own manner of dying, as our hymn reminded us, crucified upside down so he would show ultimate honor to his Lord, but to the second half of life of Peter's too, which is all about dying. It's what happens when Peter gets in gear. 
as Peter is getting in gear as Jesus gently breaks him every time of his thirst to do things his own way. Looking back at what was done in the first half of life, which is all about doing, and bringing the desires of our hearts, our vocations, into line with the expectations of family and friends and the possibilities that the world has presented is the work of all of us once we hit 30 or something and beyond. We live a little longer each time, which makes doing that work more and more important. But it's all about dying, in a sense. Learning to die as we go. Learning to die as we discover more and more that all the things we fought to do as we sought to define ourselves when we were young, to fulfill the goals and dreams that we had, were really just fulfilling the goals and dreams that someone else had for us. Maybe we're living our parents' unlived life. That happens a lot. We're trying to get back at our brother or our friends in school. Maybe we're doing God's work. Maybe we're honoring the dream he gave us, that impossible dream, but we're doing it in the world's way. And it doesn't work for long, thanks be to God. We find as we get older how much then, in pursuit of defining our own authentic self-made existence, we have been living someone else's life. And God is stalking us, pursuing us, trying to get us back to that fork in the road where our paths, our ways have diverged again and again. He will not let us go, breaking us, breaking us down, or at least breaking our stride so he can break us in as we move purposefully onward to redirect us again and again to our true goal, which he has placed in our hearts and never gives up on, and his way of getting us there. And in this way and on the way, we learn to trust God more and more, and trusting him to love him deeper and deeper in a way that we never knew we could, knowing he loves us so much that he will never let, get, let the better get the best of us. He will never let the better get in the way of the best he has in mind for us, which is to do, to do his work in his way, to do his best in his way. He will never give up. He will never let us down to our last breath until he grows us gently and gently into that surrendered being who will believe in greater and greater things that are possible. For whatever God asks of us, he will provide the means of doing. Whatever he demands of us that looks impossible, he will empower. Thanks be to God. Amen.